This episode of the Broadband Bunch is sponsored by ETI Software and Vetro FiberMap. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. We are at Calix Connections in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Joining me is the CEO, Michael Winshank, and Anne Tetmore, Vice President of Marketing at Hunter Communications. Welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having us. Hey, it's it's really a, a great pleasure to have you here as well. Obviously, we've got a lot of background noise, but it is these these events themselves are awesome. I would love it if you could sort of like you know, why do you guys come to an event like Calix Connections? Uh, it makes us smarter. It makes us smarter because we hear from one of our key suppliers what their strategy is, how they can complement our growth plans, and perhaps even more important, our peers all around the country. We're a regional internet service provider. There are a lot of regional internet service providers. We don't know all of them. We don't know most of them. This gives us a chance to rub elbows, share stories, and help us collectively figure out what the next steps are for each of our companies. I, I love it. It's one of those things where you get a chance to do uh, R&D, rip off and duplicate, right? Because when some folks do some things, uh, you say, hey, that's a really good idea. Or then you can share your ideas as well. Absolutely. So. so for for you in terms of coming to these conferences what, what what do you look for I liked what Michael said about making us smarter but I think it also has the opportunity to allow us to not only network with our peers but also identify areas where you're doing that and I'm doing the same thing so it's nice to get that third party validation so that we can kind of see that we're all in the same boat and we're doing this together um I've already been to a few different panel discussions this morning I've learned a lot but I've also heard a lot of the same things that we talk about on a daily basis. And the other part is uh, I'm fortunate to be on the CEO advisory board for Calix. So Calix will present, hey, here's our ideas. And then the CEOs collectively get into a discussion with their executives to help them figure out what their steps are. Does it make sense for us? The ability to absorb and adopt everything that our key supplier wants to uh, execute on. So it's a dialogue with Calix, which is also very important. You know, and the, the great thing about this event is that they make success stories, sort of success and innovation, sort of like front and center, which is just fantastic because ultimately at the end of the day, it's like it's about moving the ball forward. I, I think our mission is about providing fast, reliable, affordable, and safe internet. And that's not unique to Hunter. That's that's what the industry is about. And I think you're you're exactly right. All that idea sharing pushes us forward collectively and keeping in mind who it really matters to, which is our business customers and those who are our customers in the, in the home. It's great. And and it's another great thing is that we get to have conversations. And obviously I just dove right in, but before we sort of like dive really deep I would love it if you could each share a little bit about yourself and your sort of your journey to the world of broadband. Sure. So I've been in marketing for about 20 years. Uh, the last 13, 14 of them have been specific to the internet broadband market. So I remember when I got into this industry about 14 years ago and they said, oh, you're never going to get out. Once you get into telecom, <laughs> you're in it. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, no, I'm in it. And it's funny because 
I live, breathe, and and just do this all day, every day. It I always have to remind myself that not everybody wakes up thinking about their internet service, right? But we constantly do because it's our reality. Because internet isn't just a commodity anymore; it's a resource that people need. It's the same thing as walking into the room and turning on your lights. It's definitely something that the public as well as the private sector uh, need so vitally today. You know, it's it's really a great point, Anne, because I think that people just expect the internet to work and it's like they really don't think about it. But then there are so many companies that are literally built on the internet and it's becoming more so year by year. Absolutely. All right, Michael, what's your story? Well, I've got a lot of gray hair <laughs> and uh, uh, I I got a, a, a graduate degree at a time in the uh, early mid 80s and was looking for a job. And uh, just got married, and my wife and I are on our first New Year's Eve as a married couple, and we're watching uh, the, the the coverage of the ball dropping in New York. But it wasn't the ball; it was the old bell system insignia, a bell. And as that ball was dropping during that one minute, my wife says, "What's that all about? I think they're breaking up the phone company. Telecommunications is going to be a big growth industry. Why don't you interview for a job in that industry?" And I thought, "Well, there's a good idea. Clearly, proof I married above my station in life." Absolutely. And the next thing you know, by the time that ball dropped, we started discussing, "Okay, now what companies are you going to interview for?" And six months later, I started working for AT and T. And I will tell you, at that time. AT&T was just starting to sell telephone systems, and shortly thereafter, we were selling fax machines. Now, this is really dating the genesis of the industry going away from just voice to sending information, and I sold fax machines for $3,000 each. Wow. So the industry has moved forward a long way since then, and this is the only industry I've been in, and to Anne's point, um, we, we we changed the world. We connect people, we connect companies, and those who have been in it are very passionate about it. And we look at our journey in the past and we look at where we're going. It only looks like it's going to get better. It's just think about this. 20 years ago, what, what, what did we have? We had a little, little noise that said, you have mail, and it was AOL services. And that feels like literally lifetimes ago. Right. If you share that with a child today, they'll be like, where are you at? What do you mean you couldn't use the phone when you wanted to use the internet? What's the, what phone? The cell phone? No, the house phone. But it, it really is incredible in terms of just the, the the way technology has sort of like grown through the years, right? You've got the, the telegraph to the telephone, from the telephone to the fax, from the fax to the internet. It's all sort of the same thing, but it just gets, it gets more incredible as the years go by. My, uh, my children's uh, great-grandmother celebrated a few years ago her 100th birthday. And the question was, Graham, what did you experience in your life that you just never thought was going to happen? And she indicated, well, the one is that you could get on an airplane and fly pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, Number two, that she has great-grandchildren all over the world. And using the computer, she can talk to everyone and see them anytime she wants. And the third thing is, she's a big sports fan. And she says, I never thought the San Francisco Giants would ever win the World Series and watching that. And then, well, she didn't go to any of the games. She was in front of her TV. She's on her computer. That's a 100-year-old great-grandmother. 
That's the journey. Oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot one more. And and landing on the moon. Well, all those are things she experienced with technology and networking and connectivity. And, and all in the last 70 years, which is just amazing, incredible stuff. So, um, so the journey has led you to Hunter. Could you give us a little background on Hunter itself? Sure. So Hunter started as a construction company 30 years ago. And uh, the interesting part of this, there were eight employees and Hunter was building networks for uh, who are now competitors, cable companies and telecom companies. And then Hunter decided to pivot. And I'll let Ann talk about that relative to the journey the company went on, because the company's been on multiple pivots and journeys, which is how companies survive in this industry. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. So as Michael said, we started as a construction company. Our founder, who was a man with a truck and a ladder, right? And through that, he ended up developing this company that started to provide internet service to commercial businesses. And then after commercial businesses, about 10 years later, we were able to start offering residential internet service uh, right after the pandemic towards the end of 2020. So when people really needed the internet the most to have a reliable, affordable connection in the Southern Oregon markets that we serve, it was a pivotal moment for us to be able to do that at that point in time. And the timing couldn't have been better because Hunter, uh, the, the founder of the company, had just sold the company. The company, the deal closed in April of 2020. And at that point, Hunter had no had no residential customers. So imagine this, the pandemic, all the customers were working in their offices, the offices closed down, they move home, and Hunter decides at that point, we decided maybe it's a good idea to take our network and go into the neighborhoods. And that's what we started probably around the December 2020 timeframe. Okay. So Michael, you... Um became CEO at the absolute perfect time for a person to become part of the internet. I guess the the month of the the, the pandemic starting? Well, it's a uh, yeah, I think the pandemic interestingly enough, um I was working for a cable company that we were doing fiber to the home at great great level of intensity in Connecticut and New York. We we're doing about 100,000 homes uh, past a uh, per year. And the pandemic um really started in New Rochelle. I mean, that was ground zero sure. as I look back at it. And I was wondering why my, my technicians were not allowed to enter into the town. Well, it turned out to be, uh, they set up protection barriers because they couldn't figure out what this was. So uh, around the April timeframe, I accepted the position. And so the pandemic was a couple months old. I'm living in Connecticut. The company's located in Oregon. And my wife and I said, this isn't going to work. Let's move to Oregon. And I'll never forget, Joe, that flight from Connecticut to Oregon wearing mask and then a mask over the mask and then gloves. And our it was the scariest thing. And we had to explain to our families why, why we felt that was safe. So that was our journey to get to, uh, to Medford. And uh, as I said, at, uh, we, we looked at where the opportunities were and while we were dealing with the stress of the beginning, the first 90 days of the pandemic. And I think it was an example of a, a management team and, an, and a, a company that found, we find ways to get things done. And we protected our employees while we grew our business. 
And that was the genesis. That was the stepping stone where as CEO, I thought, we we have the culture that lets us pretty much do anything we put our mind to. We're very resilient in that in that regard. So, so the great thing is, so you start bringing on um, residential customers, and it, it seems there's the little research that I've done is that as soon as these folks heard that you were there, like what what seems to be the the overriding sort of thing? Relief, relief that they have other options to choose from 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 an internet provider. Well, could you sort of give a like a almost a thirty thousand overview of the? The sort of Southern Oregon landscape. Just is it? Is it? Well, but uh, let, let's back up just for a step because remember, we had no residential customers, so we first had to build the infrastructure. We had to build a customer service department. We had to bring in a marketing department. We had to bring in door to door. We had to bring in installers who were not doing business now doing residential. That's a whole different experience for somebody who's now opening the door and a stranger comes in during the pandemic to install uh, services. So it took us about six months to build that platform. And that's when we, after that, then we started bringing all the, all the fiber. I remember I got there in February, 2021. And it was a whole new world for me from where I had come from. I had come from another larger national telco. But it was also so exciting because we were kind of creating it as we went. And we had the opportunity to look at what we didn't work for us in the past and what customers didn't like and remove all of those barriers to be able to provide our customers with services that they wanted and that they really deserved. And it's a really interesting journey. Well, it's interesting from, mm-hmm. from our view, yeah. Dan, because uh, again, no no one knew we were in there. And so we had to rebrand our trucks. So mm-hmm. people said, my goodness, look, they're everywhere. If you see our trucks, they they look a little different. He and loves our trucks. I love our <laughs> trucks, and but our employees didn't. They said, oh, those colors are not... I said, that's the whole point. We get so many compliments on those trucks. Now, they used to be white. And he said, when I got hired, no more white trucks. We, we They're nice. They're red. They're orange. They're branded. They look great. And, and we decided to be the disruptor in the industry. So we introduced Price for Life. We don't want, once you have our services, that's the price you will pay for that service that you have. If you move across the street, that's your price for life. That's awesome. Installation, there's no charge for installation. No charge for data caps. At that time, Joe, we offered one gig service, and I would say our take rate was about 20% at that time. Um, then Ann joined us, and we started telling our story, and we had to figure out where we were going to build, and Ann mm-hmm. worked on our, our website to enable that. Yep. So we, we partnered with a company that was able to help us with some mapping tools put those up on the website and then really started to collect interest from customers to determine where we were going to go build to next. Because, you know, building a fiber network isn't an easy task. So we definitely want to make sure that we're going where the interest is. That's a big factor in determining where we'll expand to. So we had that tool available to us. We had our new brand available and we really started to see like changes and growth. It was a really exciting time for our company. It still is. We're a 30 year old Startup? I don't want to say startup, but we kind of are, you know, like because we there's just been so many different phases in the growth of our company. And the other thing that we did while we're going at the beginning of this journey, Joe, we established with employee input what our mission was going to be, mm-hmm. what our values are, um, and 
how we were going to determine what our why was. And I think the, the, the lesson learned here as, you, as companies grow, whatever the industry is, is you, you need to bring your employees along with you. And the second is not just bring them along, but listen to what they have to say. And if you are doing the right things at the right time with the right strategy, um, it's amazing what can happen. And I said that we were acquired, our, the company that acquired us is Grain Management, who has uh, you know, a unique perspective. As a private equity firm, they only invest in this industry. So that while we are being creative and while we are driving our business, they are providing assistance on capitalization. They are providing assistance with our banking relationships. So sometimes the stars line up, but you have to work hard mm -hmm. to make that happen and then leverage that. So for us, I think good people in the right place at the right time doing a lot of, Absolutely. of the right things. So, you know, as you're telling me this, I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm doing uh, inside my brain fist pumps because it, it also sounds what, what you're doing as well is that you're making your company local and that that's probably one of the things that is really important, especially in the, in the rural or smaller towns when they see the branded truck, when they see the, 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 the guy or the gal in the store with the Hunter Communications logo, they can go up to them and say, I've got great service. That must be super gratifying for you guys as well. It's super, super gratifying because our employees are our customers and vice versa. They understand what how, how well our service works. Like you said, you see them in the grocery store. I think for me, one of the best parts about it is if you're a customer and you have an issue, let's be honest, things happen. Sure. We're all not perfect. But if you call up and talk to Sarah, one of our customer service agents today, you can call up tomorrow and talk to Sarah. You're not going to get in a queue and talk to one of 2,500 different call center reps across the United States and beyond. You're going to talk to a person who lives in our community, who understands our community. Same thing with our technicians. We have a 4.8 Google rating. Right. That's right. 4.8 for an internet service provider. Right. I mean, they. That's out of five. At the, at the, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That is out of five, not 10. When when our when our technicians go into the home, they have they take certain care, right? They they make sure that they wear their booties and that all of the devices are connected before they leave and that our customers are satisfied before they leave. And that shows in that Google rating. So for me, like I said before, when you know, when we started providing service, what was the reaction from customers? It was relief. We're not going to raise your rates in month 13. We're not going to do all of those things that have become so commonplace in our industry that customers have just kind of accepted it and they don't have to. What, what is that application neighborhood? Next door. Next door neighbor. So I've been in the industry a long time and my wife has been married to me for a long time and she would look at these apps this is not a hunter story. First, I'll tell you other company stories. She'd look at the app and she goes, oh, you guys are mentioned. And my first reaction, right? I, I, I'm in defensive mode. My body, my body language changes. Tightens up. Yeah, everything <laughs> tightens up. And then she'd read and I'd say, oh boy. Then I'd get on the phone and try to start to do the recovery process. Well, uh, and I, I don't think I'm exaggerating this, but that app, which is nationwide, she still does that. She reads, she goes, oh, you want to hear this one? And I'm relaxed now mm -hmm. because they are very positive because they left a company that they were not happy with. And we are a alternative 
local providing better quality solutions and better service. So now when she reads those, I say, bring it on. Sounds, sounds terrific. And the biggest criticism we have is, why are you not in our neighborhood yet? Expand faster. Right. Build faster, please. That's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. It is. So, so now that you're, you're expanding into residential areas, people are super excited. Um, you know, the, the internet itself is, is, can be a wonderful thing, but also there's some things that we need to definitely look out for. And that's one of the reasons why you're also here at Calix Connections is because, you know, um, this month, the, this podcast is being recorded in October. And so this month is National Bully Awareness Month. National Bullying Prevention Month. Right. Which is one of those things where when we were growing up as a kid, the bully was somebody who was down the street or in the schoolyard. But now it's taken on a whole nother thing, which can be super scary. I know that you're and you're a mother. So you've got some of those things I where I am. Mm-hmm. I have a 10 year old and a six year old. So we're just starting on this journey in our household. Right. The 10 year old has a tablet. She got it last year for Christmas. Anybody who has more than one child knows that once one child gets something, now the six-year-old wants it. So his seventh birthday is coming up. I never thought I'd be getting him one this early. But with Bark, which is a new product that we're offering now with Calyx at Hunter, um, I feel a lot more comfortable letting them both be on the internet. Um, Your seven-year-old is getting... (sighs) My husband's not pleased about it. He... (laughs) But for my sanity, I'm going to let him get one. But I think that's common now, right? It is. I mean, oh, you're right. The oldest gets of, it. Yeah, yeah. There's friends of his in first grade that have them. So it's an, it's an interesting conversation as well, because, you know, just doing research and just talking to people that um, Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Two sort of like icons, if you will. I don't know if I'd want to use that word, but when they were asked for their kids, you know, how do, what's, how do you use your kids with for the internet and both of them said we don't let our kids on the internet so i think that's one of the discussions it's hard it's such a personal decision for each family too right i but i think as long as we're safeguarding our children online then it's okay because it like you said there's good and there's bad there's cyberbullying. like you said it used to be in the classrooms it used to be on the playgrounds now it's on their devices Cyberbullying has tripled over the years 55% of children report being cyberbullied. 90% of children report witnessing it. And to me, the 90% is the more disturbing statistic because they're watching it happen to their friends and they're not doing anything about it because they're scared. Nobody wants to stand up and, and be the one that stands up to the bully and then it just comes compounds itself. And, and when it's online, how do you stand up to the bully? I know that, Michael, I know that your, your daughter is a teacher as well. So it's the same thing as well, that sometimes the bullying online goes to the schools or after school or whatever. And it's just, it's a really tough, you know, I do not envy anyone who has to deal with it. Uh, so my daughter is a middle school teacher where she went to school in the sixth grade. So imagine that. Wow. First of all, <laughs> now, uh, and what she, and she's the, the drama, te- the theater teacher, and she's also in charge of the electives. And when the sixth graders come in from elementary school, there's that first or second day of orientation. And she participates in walking the kids through the school. And she stops 
uh, in an area where her she recalls her locker was when she was a sixth wow. grader. And she says, this is the spot where I got bullied. My job as a teacher, the counselor's job, the administration's job is to create as safe as environment as possible. So good for her, good for her school. Now, uh, I guess it was maybe six months ago, nine months ago now, uh, as a theater teacher, she's doing a rehearsal. I go into the class, I go into the, the area where the rehearsal is occurring. And there is a, there's a 12, 13 year old girl who is just knocking it out of the park, Joe. She is, she's doing a terrific job of, per, of this, in this performance. The rehearsal's over. She walks over to her phone and I'll never forget this. She walked over to her phone and she fell to her knees and my daughter walked over and I don't know the full story because she wasn't going to share that with me. But that night she, she shared cyberbullying is a very real thing. And candidly, nine months ago, I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with cyberbullying. She described what's going on in the schools and I watched her help the student, call the parent, right? All those things that you'd want a teacher to do, but there's a tremendous cost to those teachers psychologically sure. of having to do that. That's so, a lot on a teacher to have to be responsible for one more thing, right? Well, and just to that as well, so for a parent as well, so what is exactly that, that BART lets you do? Yep. So BART Parental Control App, thank you for asking. Um, it, it has numerous different capacities. I think for me, the biggest part of it, though, is that it allows me as a mom to build trust with my daughter while also letting her maintain her privacy. So it's only going to alert me. I download it on my device. I download it on her device. It's only going to alert me when there's something that is for cause of concern. If she's being bullied, if she's visiting a website that's inappropriate, if there's anything on the phone that is going to let me, it'll let me know as a parent, hey, you might want to talk to your child about this. We've detected X, Y, and Z. It's also going to allow me to say which websites she can and cannot go to. So now I'm not the bad guy anymore, Michael. <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's the device, right? It, it's doing that for me. It's also going to say screen time limits. So two hours, you're up. That's it for the day. No more for you, which is something that my husband and I have had a hard time with because the kids get on these tablets, they start scrolling, they get these dopamine hits, they get addicted to it. And it's like, all right, let's read a book. Let's play a game as a family. You need to take a break from the tablet right now. You know, it's incredible because uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the social influencer, Gary Vaynerchuk. He said the, the amazing thing about the phone and an extension of that, the internet, is that everything that's on there is curated by you. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything that's cool, everything that's great, everything that you care about is there. And the rest of the world is secondary. And so it's really important, especially with this these, these generations coming up, is that we have to figure out ways to sort of dose it. Because you're exactly right. I, listen, I'm guilty of it as same, well. Same. And I hope, you know, I would hope other people would probably disagree that I have the maturity to, to sometimes put it down. But then there's the problem of, of like, okay, then you get that bad comment or you don't get enough likes and then that could send someone spiraling. And, and imagine that happening to a 12-year-old who doesn't have that mental maturity yet. So they get that validation from it. And then if somebody doesn't like it or, you know, thumbs down or angry face, that, that's just so crushing for these kids. Or imagine the picture that gets taken mm. that 
your daughter mm-hmm. does not want to have uh, have taken. And suddenly that picture gets distributed to how big is the group going Everybody to be? Everybody in right? the school, right? right? It's, it's, it's awful. And then the other part about Bark is the location monitoring. So the director of sales for our company, he has a middle school age son who I think he said he needs to take the city bus one or two nights a week now after school. And that allows his him to keep tabs on his son and know where his son's going, when he's on the bus, when he gets home. So it gives him that additional peace of mind. And regarding the trust factor, yep. it's not the parent using the Bark software to monitor their child. That that destroys the trust. Mm-hmm. It's an alerting system. So when the child ex- is experiencing something or doing something that has the parent has determined they don't want the child to do, the software alerts the parent. So it's an exception basis rather than a constant monitoring. I can't imagine, and you having a discussion with your 10-year-old, if she knew that you knew where she was all the time oh, yeah. no. on the internet. Absolutely it's only not. an exception. Well, and I don't want to know. Right. Right. But, <laughs> There's only so many hours in the day. No, no, but it's, 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 um, I, I think that that's sort of the, it's also not spying, right? It's observing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that way, as a parent, you know when to sort of insert yourself and then you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let them explore. But then if it gets a little, a little scary, these, these tools allow you to, to be, you know, on top of it because, I think it also gives the chance for you to sort of like nudge the child to say, mm-hmm. hey, listen, is there something bothering you a little bit? And then they might not know how you know, but then they'll open up, which is so, so important. Yep. And what's great, too, is that we get a lot of tools from Calix and Bark to help us educate our customers. And they've been educating me. I've been reading through these blogs and learning a lot about how I can help my child and things that I need to be looking out for online. Above and beyond just the cyberbullying, Roblox, big fan, big app amongst kids these days. They love to play the social media game. But you can give them Robux so that they can buy things. They can buy things with your credit card. Well, if I give my daughter my credit card to go buy Robux, now what happens if somebody tries to scam her because she doesn't know? Sure. You know what I mean? Right. So like it just compounds it. So it's my responsibility to put a car seat in my car. It's my responsibility to teach my daughter and my son eventually how to stay safe online and that it's not me spying on you. But unfortunately, there's people out there that aren't very kind when it comes to this type of stuff. You, you've used this analogy, Anne, before. It's when your child was young, you would hold your child's hand to cross the street. Mm-hmm. And now the child is out of the car seat, uh, but needs to fasten the seatbelt. This is the hand. This is the seatbelt. A parent has a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if look, there's a lot of uh, Hunter is in Oregon and northern Northern California. Um, we encourage we encourage people who are and businesses who are our customers to get this for their employees. Um, it's bigger than just Hunter. This is I think this country will be in a much better shape between parent and child as this world continues to get more complicated and more difficult for a child to understand if uh, those parents are helping their children using this kind of software. So so what are some of the other tools that, that are in the suite? Sure, sure. So Bark is just one part of our Hunter Shield internet secure, suite of internet security products. So in addition to uh, Bark, we've got the Hunter IQ app, 
which is our new app. It's basically network management for your home Wi-Fi network. So it's an app you can download onto your cell phone or your tablet. You can say which devices you want connected to the internet. You can give your guests their their own Wi-Fi network. How many times have we, you know, the holidays coming up? Sure. How many times? What's the Wi-Fi password? Now you can just give them their own network. You can text it to them. They're away they go. That's great. Yeah. So that actually comes included with our Wi-Fi. We launched that a few months ago. Then in, in addition to the Hunter IQ app, we also offer Hunter Protect, which is going to protect our customers against uh, antivirus software, malware, viruses in real time. And it will let you know when you are being attacked and when and how many um, viruses that it's blocked for you. And then uh, the third piece of that is Hunter Control, which is uh, parental controls at the device level in your home, whereas Bark is a little bit different because that's more at the software level while your kids are out of the home. But then Hunter Control also offers um, network trafficking. So let's say I work from home. Not let's say, I do. I work from home. So I want all of the bandwidth coming to my work computer and my camera during the day. Then after five o'clock, maybe six or seven, We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll move that, right? We'll program it. So now it goes to the living room TV. It goes to, well, the kids don't have tablets on the weekdays anymore. That's another one. I put, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not very popular at home lately. Um, but then, you know, it'll go to the, the family TV so we can stream and we can all watch Family Jeopardy at the end of the night so that I'm getting optimized bandwidth where we need it during the day. So, so what you're telling me, though, it, it's putting the subscriber first, which, is, which is ultimately the, the most important thing, because at the end of the day, it's getting that, that high Google rating. It's getting that word of mouth advertising, which, which we know is the most powerful form of, of, of marketing there is. So it's super, super important. Very focused on the customer experience, that's, right? That's our why. That's the only reason we exist. And if we can't help our customers use technology well, so they can connect when and where they want to. We don't. We don't have a right to keep our doors open. Yeah. No. I. I love the mission. I love the why. Um, been a phenomenal visit. Before we sort of as, as we sort of wind down here, I was just going to ask you a couple more questions. Um, the first one is is workforce issues sort of taking out a little bit. Obviously, we've been talking about the the apps and and the the customer. How has that been for you guys? Because you know, as as I talk to other people from around the country. Some people it's a problem. Other people it's not a problem. Just would love to get the your perspective. You mean our staffing levels to support yeah. this journey? So um, we, again, are, as, as we said earlier, our heritage is construction. So we do our own builds from stringing the fiber on the poles or under the ground, splicing it all up, doing the installation, doing the engineering. Uh, Joe, you have a very good question because in the last, well, probably nine months or so, we've seen... a higher degree of difficulty in recruiting for some of those positions, in particular, the construction position. And so we've actually uh, partnered with some firms that work with the military. So if there is a someone in the service and they have six months left on their rotation, they can choose to start and leave the military, get paid by the Department of Defense, and begin their journey of what their career is post-service. And we've just started this, and we're hoping that's going to be uh, uh, an avenue for us to improve the 
recruitment and the retention of folks, in particular in the construction department? I love it because I think that this industry does a very poor job of communicating that that there these are careers that n- not a you know a, a you know a quick job or you know an like Amazon does a great job of promoting jobs but this is an opportunity to share a career. Absolutely, we offer a lot of on the job training. Our tagline is better connections start here. But we've been working with our HR team and it's better careers start here too, right? It's not just a come here work for 6 months or a year and leave come here, work the trade and work your way up into a career with a company that's growing at a really fast rate. We've actually started a Ready Now program where each department identified their their top employees and who they thought were had a long runway with us. So we put them through a one-year development program of skill sets, knowledge. I speak to the class, I think, twice You speak to the class, a lot of leaders do, so they understand what the business is, not just the department they work in. And uh, in 2022, we promoted nine of the 12 that participate in that program. That's that's great, too, because it's also you're showing a commitment to your employees. It's one of those things where you, you hear it's like, oh, well, you know, they always bring somebody in. But it's like if you let your people grow, then they stick around and then you build. Because there's also a problem as well with the industry is that there's you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks are aging out of the industry. And so there's going to be a huge vacuum. And, you know, I hear that like I like AI is going to take some of the, the, the burden up. And there's going to be different ways for us to solve the problem. But there's, you know, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. Yeah, it is. It's our, our four strategic pillars, people, process, technology, financial health. It starts with the people. Two sides, two kinds of people, customers and employees. We want to bring on the best employees to take care of our customers. We want to retain our customers, but we can't do that effectively if we can't retain our employees. And a lot of that is, I think our benefit package mm-hmm. is one of the best in Oregon. Absolutely. Um, costs us some money, but it's that's part of the investment. Our training programs, our, our programs to bring people up through the, through the business. If the business can run that way, I think that makes it the kind of business customers want to do business with. Because what we didn't talk about is our engagement in the community Mm -hmm. and what we did when there were some terrible fires uh, in in the area of talent in Phoenix, destroying large parts of the community. What we did to assist our donations to the schools, um, we are we are part of a community. And that's the nice thing about being a local and regional provider. Absolutely. When you were talking about our employees earlier, just now too, I was thinking about how I think we do a really good job of explaining the why to our employees, right? Okay, that's what you want me as an employee, right? That's what you want me to do. But but why? Why am I? Why? Why is that the decision that we're making? To Michael's point about the uh, leadership program that we have, we just got done doing a presentation with them about business acumen and just, you know, the different trends that we see in the industry and why we make some of the strategic business decisions that we make. Employees are really hungry for that today. They're, they want to learn. So I think that w- doing that with our employees gives them a real sense of, I too can affect change at this company and makes them much more um, productive. At the end of the day, I have a lot of assets, a lot of cable mm-hmm. on poles, a lot of cable, a lot of customers. The most important asset we have is our people. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, it's it's truly amazing how important the why is. I was actually just reading an article and they said that the reason why the the overwhelming majority of folks get burnout is because they don't know the why. They can do the work, but then there's a point where like, why am I doing this? And then when you can, if you communicate that effectively, you really do move mountains. And you know, it's easy to say, we have to remind ourselves as leaders of of our business and our departments to do that because it's almost like when was the last time you hugged your child and said I love you um my wife we've been married a long time and it's like oh yeah we do we do this at least once a week don't we it's hug time well <laughs> not we don't want to hug employees that hr will will not exactly <laughs> view that kindly but it's the words we use it's the amount of feedback we give to help them on their journey and there's times we've had employees leave and we endorse it. We said, oh, you're right. This isn't the right industry, but you have the right behaviors. So it's time to, to leave the nest, so to speak. And, and we realize that. Um, and we're proud of how they do when they, when they move on. Yep. We just started an employee newsletter, too. And they love it. Awesome. Because some of them said, like, we don't really know what's going on. In the Grants Pass area where we serve in Southern Oregon, we just lit up 1,500 homes. And I thought to myself, I don't know how many employees know that we did this. So sending out those newsletters, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from people. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so helpful. Asking questions, proposing uh, topics for future newsletters. And it's just another way for us to touch our employees and let them know what we have going on. So, Joe, you said we're wrapping up, but you said, no, we're not ready to wrap up. (laughs) Um, No, this is great. No, I love it. so, So grants pass, grants pass. Uh, here's an example of somehow the uh, the executive director of Grants Pass Boys and Girls Club yes. said, I know you're doing a lot of work. What can I do to help, in particular, the Bark, uh, the, the Bark software? Because that's a big concern. And I think at the end of the year, beginning of next year, we have a whole program we're going to start to do to help those who are part of the Boys and Girls Club from uh, how best to utilize internet, how to use uh, software like, like we're talking about. That wasn't our phone call. That was the community doing a reach out. And if we can establish that kind of relationship, by the way, the employees that work in Grants Pass are very excited about that. So it's a circular scenario and better connections is not just about the technology. It's about how we're helping people, the community reaching out to us and we're reaching out to them. And you know what I love about that is that in terms of how flexible you can be compared to to maybe larger carriers it's like hey listen let's get boots on the ground right away because there's actually a need and an excitement for it so that's really awesome we are very nimble we have the ability to pivot very quickly when we see a need in the community and that's one of the reasons why i joined this company two and a half years ago this is what we spend our staff meetings on Mm -hmm. awesome this has been an absolutely phenomenal visit um hopefully next year or or two years down the line we'll have you guys back on the podcast again please um because you guys have a fantastic story and i'm so happy that we were able to share it thanks so much joe thank you joe thank you that's going to wrap up this episode of the broadband bunch until next time we'll see you guys later 